You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends. Welcome to episode 1122 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland coming to you on a Monday evening into Tuesday. And today's episode is brought to you by Truebill. Truebill is the new app that saves you money by helping you identify and stop paying for the subscriptions that you don't want or need. And it can even negotiate better deals on those that you want to keep. Today's podcast will focus on what became a 113 to 101 win for the Hawks at home over the Oklahoma City Thunder on this Monday, and a pretty breezy win overall. The game was not particularly close at any point in the second half, and uh, with this victory, the Hawks are down 9-9 and overall this season, which doesn't seem that impressive, but the Hawks were 4-9, and so they've now won five games in a row, all by double figures, just for the record, and they're 8-1 at home this season. Now they have to prove themselves back on the road, as we'll talk about later on in the podcast, but for the most part, it's been a very, very positive homestand, taking care of business, winning the games that you're supposed to win, and that's half the battle in the NBA. Just as a broad strokes from this game, the Hawks were awesome offensively in the first half, and then defensively were much better in the second half after sort of a shaky performance defensively before halftime, and they really, really never really challenged. The game was not as close as even the final, uh, the final score seems to kind of indicate. It was basically a double-digit lead for, I would say, large portions of the second half of this contest and a comfortable win overall. Uh, coming into the night, as we give, I'll sort of give you some context to this particular contest, um, the Thunder have been better than expected this year. They're 6-10 and 10 coming into the night, not 6-11 and 11 after this loss. But they had lost four of the last five, and their only win in that stretch came against the hapless Rockets. And Oklahoma City was without um, their best player by a wide margin, Shake Elgis Alexander. So, uh, you know, not as lopsided as you might have thought coming in, because Oklahoma City was supposed to be the worst team in the league, in my opinion. But... At the same time, this is the largest spread of the season for the Hawks. The, uh, our friends about online actually made the Hawks 13 and a half point favorites in this game after Gilgis Alexander was ruled out. So he was even 11 before that. So that's only a couple points. But um, let's just say a home game against Oklahoma City without Alexander is about as favorable as it gets in terms of matchups. And the Hawks took advantage of that. Um, on Atlanta's own side, uh, Bogdanovich was actually questionable with a new injury in this game, a right quad contusion, ended up playing, and uh, essentially the Hawks were only without DeAndre Hunter and Onyeka Kongwu in this contest. But um, with all that said, all that context out of the way, we'll dive in now to uh, this particular game. If you're a new listener, what we do on the podcast is sort of go through what transpired, sort of the nuts and bolts from the first, second, third, and fourth quarters with some overall takeaways, some observations. And at the end of the podcast, I'll give you some uh, overall stuff as well as some individual player breakdowns and how each guy performed that was in the rotation on this night. So we'll dive in now to the first quarter of this contest. And really the theme of the entire first half was offense good, defense not so good. But um, at the outset, Capella was really good around the rim, made three buckets in a row, um, carrying over his dominant play from Saturday. There was a big dunk from John Collins as well. Probably the play of the night, in my opinion, was just that you know this crazy monster dunk from Collins, as he is wont to do in the first quarter. Uh, the third took the lead midway through the quarter and actually opened up pretty hot offensively. They were 7-13 from the floor. The Hawks only led by one point at the first TV timeout of this game. Um, rotationally, interestingly enough, it was kind of back to where it was early last week, at least in the first half. Um, McMillan can't really seem to nail down what he wants to do in the backcourt. Um, in this game, he actually went to a uh, situation where they pulled Trey Young early again, as they did a few times last week uh, for DeLon Wright. 
They went to Galadar and Reddish from there, and then they uh, they only played nine guys in this entire game until the absolute garbage time in the final minute. But they, they pulled Capella early in the way they kind of had been doing with Trey, and they brought him back in with the full bench. So it was never a full bench unit, I should say. It was Capella plus bench. And then Trey came back in with about two minutes to go in the first quarter. Not a super quick rest, but definitely a short one. And then actually, looking ahead, Trey sat back down at the end of the first quarter. So he kind of had two short rests, um, and then a longer rest in the second quarter, kind of a strange little thing. And then, by the way, in the second half, it was back to traditional, where he played the first 10 minutes. So I'm not really sure what to make of that, but alas. Um, the Hawks did have their sort of first little push, a 10-3 run uh, that sort of unfolded after over a long period of time to go up by eight points. There was a nice pass by Cam Reddish, I thought. He got kind of caught underneath the rim after a pretty uh, aggressive pass from Gallinari. But instead of trying to force something, he sort of calmly dropped it off to Capella for what became a dunk. And the Hawks led by five points at the end of the first quarter. They shot very well in the opening period with only one turnover. Um, they got some offensive rebounds in that period. Capella had eight points and six rebounds. All five starters had five points or more in the first quarter. I will say, though, Oklahoma City was scoring effectively. They were actually 9 of 11 on twos in the opening period, and it even got worse from there. Uh, in the second quarter, I would say this. I know Glenn Willis said this, I think, at one point on Twitter. It might have been their worst defensive quarter of the season you, when you account for uh, opponent situation, all of that stuff. They allowed 33 points in the second, and it was pretty ugly. Um, you know, Part of that was that you know, they played some bench lineups, all that stuff. It was actually a nice, a nice drive finish from DeLon Wright, who had a three-point play. And then Gallo and Lou had it, got it going. The Hawks led by 10 points, actually, early in the second quarter. But when they brought in uh, Collins for Capella, went a little bit smaller. And even when the, uh, when the starters came back in, it was pretty ugly. So with three minutes left in the first half, the Hawks were tied. And it was basically just about the, de- the defense because the offense had been flying high in the entire first half. But Oklahoma City had about a 135 offensive rating through about 20 minutes of this game, which is just jarring. They were shooting the heck out of the ball from two-point range. They were 18 of 22 on their first 22 two-point attempts, which is uh, not what you want to see. Uh, they were cold from three and still scoring at this obscenely high level between offensive rebounds and finishing around the rim. The Hawks did lead by six at the half because of Reddish and Bogdanovich both having five points each in the final couple minutes of the first half. But in general... As I said before, it was basically offense was awesome, and defensively it was kind of a mess. But I'll be positive for a second. The offense in the first half scored a season-high 66 points. Um, that was obviously uh, pretty impressive, even against a pretty shaky defense. That's uh, You can't just fake that against the NBA, against the NBA team. You are scoring because you are playing well on offense. A 137 offensive rating, 54% from the floor, 46% from three, 8 of 9 from the free throw line. Um, two turnovers, five off the rebounds, 15 assists, just across the board dominance. All nine guys that had played at that point had five points or more, and Collins had 11 to lead the way. Um, they gave up a 127 defensive rating, though, to uh, to the Thunder, which is just like jarring when you figure out you know, who they had on the floor in that entire time. And I sort of made that point a little bit earlier, but I wanted, I wanted to say again, um, coming into the night, the Thunder were the second worst offensive team in the NBA this season. Now, that's already bad enough, but um, you throw that in with the fact that um, SGA is by far their best offensive player. Like Basically, he's the Trey Young to them. Um, I, I, think, I think Trey is better than him, but Shea is very good, and he is their only like proven offensive creator on the entire roster. Yes, like Josh Giddey is uh, pretty impressive for a rookie, etc. They have some guys who can play, but offensively, it's uh, SGA's team. And when you figure they're, they're still pretty bad with him, uh, it was kind of embarrassing, I would say, for the Hawks to allow that kind of offense to the Thunder in the first half. Again, they were still winning because the offense was dominating, but uh, worth pointing that out. Um, the Thunder got to the rim kind of at will, and uh, 
I thought the second quarter was like genuinely awful defensively. Um, not to the point where it was going to lose them the game because obviously it didn't matter in the grand scheme of things. But as a note, you know, the Thunder were 5 of 21 from three in the first half. So sub 25% from three and they still score almost 1.3 points per possession. So uh, it was a mess. And as we'll talk about in a second, it got better after halftime. It was There was a noticeable uptick in what actually transpired in terms of effort and all that stuff. But if you want to be bothered by something in this game, I would certainly be bothered by the first half defense. Um, if you want to be more positive, you could say the first half offense was pretty much dominant, as it absolutely was in this game. So I say all that to just give you the context, but the Hawks did lead this game with the half, and uh, offensively they were flying high. So we'll get into the second half of this contest, but first, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Shopify. It's the sound of another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources that were once reserved for big businesses so that upstarts, startups, and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. Scaling your business is a journey of endless possibility. Believe me, this podcast started out at a pretty low level. Now it's at a much higher level, and we're not going to stop there because success is a million milestones on a forever-involving path. Like mine, Shopify powers over 1.7 businesses from first scale to full scale. Reach customers online and across social networks with an ever-growing suite of channel integrations and apps, including Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, Pinterest, and much more. Gain insights as you grow with detailed reporting of your conversion rates, profit margins, and beyond. It's more than a store. Shopify grows with you. This is Possibility, powered by Shopify. Connect with your customers, drive sales, manage your day-to-day, and Shopify also instantly lets you accept all major payment methods. Shopify has thousands of integrations with third-party apps from on-demand printing to accounting to advanced chatbots to and beyond. Supercharge your knowledge, your sales, and your success, and do it all in one place. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba, all lowercase, for a free 14-day trial and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash lockedonmba right now. That's shopify.com slash lockedonmba. All right, we'll dive in now to the second half of this contest. And at the outset, it was kind of immediately clear the Hawks were going to be playing a little bit harder on defense in the third quarter and beyond. A 7-0 run by the Hawks to open the third quarter to go up by 13 points. It was the largest lead of the night at that point. And the Thunder did not score on their first six possessions. Again, part of that is Oklahoma City's offense is not good. But Collins had a huge block on Darius Baisley, and the Thunder didn't score for about three and a half minutes. The Hawks were noticeably playing harder. I thought Trey Young notably was better after a pretty bad first half defense from him. You know, obviously it's pretty obvious when he struggles and doesn't give a ton of effort. He was not the only culprit by any means. I think Madonimich has been struggling all season long, for instance. But I thought Trey played a lot harder just even by sight and just his activity level rose a lot. And McMillan actually after the game kind of got asked about that uptick in defense after the half and kind of said that they really didn't adjust anything. It was kind of just guys just locking in, giving better effort and I would agree with that. You know, they didn't have to change anything schematically against this Oklahoma City thing, uh, team. You know, again, a lot of this is like the Thunder are not good on offense, but the Hawks did just execute and play harder and play more investedly uh, on defense in the third quarter. So um, from there, you know, it was kind of a comfortable margin the entire rest of the way after that little run. Um, Collins, I thought, flashed his passing a lot in this game. He had five He had five assists in the middle of the third quarter, just for reference. Another reminder of how much he's grown as a passer. Uh, Trey exploded a little bit 
after halftime. In fact, he had eight points in about 90 seconds, hit two threes, gave the Hawks a 17-point lead at that point. And, um, you know, if it wasn't already over, it kind of already was from there. Um, there was an awesome verticality play by John Collins when he uh, so, kind of just flat-out stonewalled Lou Dort at the rim in impressive fashion. Um, rotationally, I mentioned this before, but they actually played Trey for a long time in the third. I'm not, I'm not sure if that was because he had it going or what, but still kind of a little bit random on that. And then a nice little flourish at the end of the quarter. Um, DeLon Wright and uh, actually had a three, and then Lou hit Gallinari for another three in the quarter. So the last six points went to the Hawks, and they led by 22 at the end of the third quarter. Um, you know, the, the headliner is that Oklahoma City scored 11 points in the third. Um, the, the, the Thunder shot four of 26 from the floor. So you can certainly credit the Hawks for some of that. Um, at the same time, no NBA team shoots four of 26 from the floor because of the other team's defense only. Uh, so it was kind of one of those mixture things where they probably were a little bit above their heads in the first half, and then the defense was better, and their offense was kind of cratering. But four of 26, you can't really fake that. 11 points for the Thunder is what it is. Uh, but Trey had 12 in the third quarter. Um, also, the Hawks did not turn the ball over at all in the third period. And offensively, they were actually down a little bit efficiency-wise from the first half, but it was more than enough to sort of build the lead. And they only had two turnovers through three quarters in this game, which is uh, what you want to see. What you don't want to see against a team like Oklahoma City is like beating yourself, kicking the ball around, and the Hawks didn't do that, which was uh, encouraging. And in the fourth quarter, it never really got um, too feisty. There was one 8-2 run by the Thunder early on to cut the lead down to 16. Um, they forced a five-second call, though, the Hawks done defense, and we're definitely still playing offense, uh, defense at a pretty high level in the fourth. The offense, though, kind of cratered a little bit. They had as many turnovers in the first three minutes of the fourth as they had the whole game and actually turned the ball over six times in the fourth quarter. But they went to Collins at center, uh, kept the bench in for a while. There was a banked-in three by the Thunder with about six minutes to go, put the lead down to 14, and that's as close as it got until the final minute, basically. Um, Nate McMillan won a challenge with about five minutes to go. Uh, Trey Young got called for an offensive foul for throwing his leg out on a three that he actually made. Um, immediately got up and was telling Nate to challenge it. Nate challenged it and won. Um, I was a little bit surprised they actually won it. Not that it was the wrong call. I think it was definitely the wrong call on the floor. But usually when it's an overturn situation, the bar's pretty high. But a good challenge by Nate and a good reaction by Trey to get, to get Nate to challenge and all that stuff worked out very well. And sort of a high leverage one too because you know he made a three. So it's a definitive three-point swing if you win it, which gives you a pretty, uh, pretty high leverage to go ahead and try to challenge that play. Um, the Stars came back in with about six minutes to go, up by 15. The, the run never really came for Oklahoma City at any point. I think my official dagger in this game was when Herter hit a three with about four minutes to go to go up by 17 again. Um, if it wasn't that one, Trey hit a similar shot with about two minutes to go to go up by four, from 14 to 17 once again. Um, the bench was empty with about 90 seconds left in this game. They went to the G League guys, etc. at the end of the contest. And uh, I actually thought it was encouraging that Sharif Cooper actually rolled an ankle on Sunday with College Park, but he played in this game for the Hawks and seemed to be fine. Obviously, it's garbage time, but the fact that he was even out there is probably a positive, given that there was some trepidation about his ankle on Sunday. And then uh, for the handicappers among us, the Thunder actually closed with the final five points in the last minute, including a three uh, at the very, very end of the game to lose by 12. And as you might remember this from earlier in the podcast, I said the Hawks were favored by 13.5 points. So do the math on that one. A backdoor cover by Oklahoma City. Uh, my apologies to anybody who had the Hawks in this game. But I will say, just as a matter of record, I think I might have said it earlier as well, but the Hawks winning this game by 12 points is misleading. They were definitely more dominant than that. In fact, they led by more than 12 for basically the last quarter and a half of the game. So 
if you're trying to you know kind of pace if you didn't watch this game how much the Hawks kind of cruised they should have won this game by probably 1820 that's kind of where I would say in this contest so uh kind of a weird quarter in the fourth because it didn't just matter but uh, it was just one of those back and forth things the Hawks didn't necessarily play great in the last I don't know 15 minutes of this game it just never mattered because of Oklahoma City uh as far as broad strokes are concerned and some takeaways here Offensively, the Hawks played well, a 121 offensive rating for the game for Atlanta. And I don't think that, um, you know, it wasn't, it was much higher than that until the fourth quarter. So if you want to kind of take away, it wasn't garbage time filters because of, you know, they were only up by 15 or whatever it was. But I think in the competitive portion of this game, the Hawks scored even more than that and were pretty strong overall. Uh, 48% from the floor, 41% from three, got to the line 16 times, made 15 of them. That's obviously very efficient. Only eight turnovers in the game, which is more than good in itself, but only two in the first three quarters. Again, six in the fourth, and a lot of that was kind of just noise. Um, every guy in the rotation had at least eight points, so some remarkable balance. It was basically Trey Young and then a lot of guys from eight to 15 points. Um, everyone other than Capella made a three in this game as well, some good balance there overall. And uh, the Thunder are better defensively than offensively, but they're not great. So um, a solid effort from the, from the offense. I think the first half was legitimately dominant. Second half less so, but a nice, a nice effort o- overall for the Hawks offense. Defensively, uh, it was up and down for sure. Uh, very bad in the first half. I think pretty good in the second half for the most part. Um, the Thunder still scored about 110 offensive rating in the game, which if you told me before the game was going to start that the Thunder would do that, I would tell you that was below average for the Hawks because of the way the Thunder have not scored this season. But when you factor in the first half, it doesn't get you killed, obviously, and you win the game comfortably. Um, the one sort of blemish to that, and McMillan focused on this as well after the game, was that the Thunder kind of dominated the offensive glass. They grabbed more than 30% of their own misses in this game, and that's the one thing the Hawks kind of had to clean up is just getting the defensive glass sorted out. But other than that, the Thunder didn't shoot it well. They didn't have uh, good three-point shooting. 10 turnovers is not a ton for the Hawks to, co- to have caused, but in general, a uh, pretty overall solid effort. Um, before we get into like the player stuff, just as a round number again, the Hawks had a 60% true shooting in this game. If they're going to do that, um, they're going to win most nights, and particularly against a, th- a team like Oklahoma City. Um, you can you got to be pretty good with that, honestly. The Hawks didn't generate a lot on, the off- on either side of the floor on the glass in this game, but uh, that was kind of the only blemish overall. Okay, before we get into the player stuff, a word from our sponsors on the show today, and the first of which is Truebill. Do you know why free trials renew without your consent? It's a business scam that's out to get you. Don't let corporate greed pocket your money. Instead, download Truebill to take control of your subscriptions. Truebill is the new app that helps you identify and stop paying for subscriptions that you don't need, don't want, or simply forgot about. On average, people can save $720 a year with Truebill, and because companies make subscriptions hard to cancel, Truebill makes it incredibly simple. Just link your accounts, and Truebill will cancel your unwanted subscriptions in one tap. Your Truebill concierge is there right with you when you need them to cancel unwanted subscriptions so you don't have to. And Truebill is awesome for someone like me who has a ton of subscriptions across the landscape. Sports makes it so I have to keep a wide swath of information. It's really, really valuable to have Truebill to make sure that I don't get bamboozled. Truebill has over 2 million users and has helped them save over $100 million. Don't fall for subscription scams. Start canceling today at Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Go right now to Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. It could save you thousands per year. Truebill.com slash LockedOnNBA. Today's show is also brought to you by rockauto.com. 
Have you ever gone to a chain store looking for auto parts that fit your car? Is it maddening? Because it is for me. I know it has been in the past and it will be if I ever try that again. But frankly, I don't ever need to do that again because of rockauto.com. Rock Auto has been serving auto parts customers for 20 years at this point in time. And you could save time and money when you use Rock Auto. They have all kinds of auto parts that will fit your lifestyle, fit your preferences and the best part is you don't have to endure the pointless questioning from someone behind the counter who's only looking to sell you the one part or one kind of part that they have in their warehouse. RockAuto.com has everything you could possibly need from brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. And honestly, the prices are always reliably low for every customer and they really serve the do-it-yourselfer very, very effectively. You can go explore their website right now. It's very easy to use. You can find a solution to your auto parts needs in one place. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or your truck. And from there, you want to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know that we sent you to them. Amazing selection, reliable low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Okay, and we'll get out of here with some player observations from this contest. You know, there were five guys who played only about a minute and a half. Uh, nothing really to take away from those five. Uh, TLC was over two. Uh, nobody else even attempted a shot in that period. Um, the backup guards didn't play as much as everybody else did, but played, uh, I thought, effectively. DeLon Wright was very good, I thought. Eight points, two assists, and a rebound in 15 minutes. Two of three from the floor. One of two, one of th- one of two I should say, from three. And three of three from the free throw line was plus nine. I thought he was effective on both ends of the floor, and good to see him playing well. I thought Lou was just fine as well. Eight points, three assists. They had two turnovers, but was plus one, and generally just kind of did his job. Those guys keep pairing well together, and they just riding that, and I think uh, rightfully so, without Hunter available. That's been an effective unit for the Hawks in the backcourt. Um, Cam Reddish was sort of an up-and-down night for him. At one point, he was two of eight from the floor, but he ended up making two of his last three shots. Um, had nine points, three rebounds, an assist, and a steal. was plus five. 23 minutes, but you know, nine points and 11 shots is not what you want to see necessarily. But I thought he made some plays defensively, was active, didn't take any. Uh, I think it was only one wild shot that I saw from Cam in this game. So, kind of a I would say middling, but not terrible, not great kind of game from Reddish. Uh, Gallinari had some nice flashes, had 11 points, six rebounds, three assists, and a steal and a block in 25 minutes. Only took five shots, but made four of them. Um, you know, good offensively, defensively, not as much as you might expect from Gallo, but I thought it was a generally fine performance from him off the bench, um, and he was one of six guys in double figures for the Hawks in this game. Um, the starters were all in double figures. Uh, we'll go with Bogdanovich first. Bogdanovich was 25, 27 minutes, actually played the least yet again. They kind of flirted with going with Reddish ahead of him a few times. Played him, uh, They played Reddish ahead of him pretty much the entire way on Saturday. It was more bogey when they brought the starters back in the fourth in this game, but 5-13 from the floor, 3-8 of eight from 3. 13 points, 5 rebounds, uh, no assists. They have a steal and was plus 14, kind of paired with Trey and Herter a lot of the time. Um, defensively, Bedanovich is still really struggling, and it's kind of weird because I've long thought that he was a better defender than people thought he was, um, kind of just more broadly. But this year, he's kind of been the guy that you kind of feared he might be defensively. I'm not sure if it's the uh, if it's the leg issues, like he's had the ankle injury, and, and tonight it was a uh, it was a calf. Um, I believe it was a calf or maybe a thigh contusion, something like that. Um, and maybe that's kind of hampering him a little bit in terms of his explosiveness, but his point of attack stuff's been really shaky this year. And I'm kind of officially worried about his defense, at least on some level. Um, offensively, he's going to make shots. I'm not really worried about that. Um, but it's just one of those things where uh, I want to really circle back because he was one of the main culprits in the first half. Um, I thought Herter was very good, 15 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, a very strong cross-board effort from him in this game, plus 14. 7-11 from the, from the floor. Got, actually took eight twos and made six of them. So very efficient there. Wasn't bombing away from three, but got to his spots effectively. And I thought it was a good complete game from Herter. Uh, Capella was good again. 10 points, 14 rebounds. The Hawks were plus 20 in his minutes. 
um, similar to the other night on Saturday where he was dominant in a short period of time. He wasn't quite as good tonight as he was on Saturday where he was really the best player on the floor for a lot of, a lot of that game. But I thought he was pretty solid and kind of overwhelmed uh, Oklahoma City when he was dialed in. Uh, Collins continues to play very well. Obviously kind of a quieter game in terms of his scoring with 11 points. But Collins, according to Hawks PR, became the first player for the Hawks to have at least 10 points, 5 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 blocks in a game since Paul Millsap in 2017. Um, that's a long time ago, and it kind of just underscores how good Collins was across the board. With 6 rebounds, 5 assists, and 5 block shots. Did have 1 steal as well. Um, you know, the scoring numbers are a little bit down for him, and I think that's kind of throw people off a scent. But as I said a lot on this podcast over the last month plus, Collins has been awesome this season. He was awesome in this game again, a nice well-rounded effort defensively, making plays, help side stuff, um, offensive, offensive stuff is good as well. So overall, it was uh, very strong. Uh, and then Trey Young, who closed the game out with, I believe, 28 points, uh, 21 of them coming in the second half for Trey. Um, yeah. No, sorry. Actually, I think he might have 30. I think he had 30 points. Yeah, 30 points. I'm looking at the wrong box score. 30 points, um, 21 in the second half. He was the only guy on the Hawks roster after halftime that scored more than seven points. Um, he hit four threes after the break, hit five free throws, and kind of just put the game away offensively. Like I said sort of earlier, I think defensively he was pretty bad, even by his standards in the first half. He was notably better after that. At six assists as well, four rebounds. Another good another good game from Trey overall. Was efficient from three. Hitting five threes is huge. Obviously, you want to get that whenever you can. Um, actually, it was only three of ten on twos in this game, but got to the line seven times. Managed to be efficient despite that shaky shooting from inside the arc and a very a complete game for him. By the way, 32 minutes for those 30 points for Trey. So, you'll take that all day. He was very good in this game. Um, yeah, from here, the Hawks actually hit the road again for the first time in a while. They've not played a road game in uh, as, as of today, 10 days. As of Wednesday, it'll be 12 days when they play the Spurs on the road on Wednesday. The Spurs are not a great team by any means. Um, they are capable of playing good defense, um, but offensively kind of a mixed bag for them. So that's a game in which the Hawks, I think, will be favored probably on paper. And then, by the way, they'll be in Memphis on Thursday for Thanksgiving because um, they'll travel from of San Antonio to Memphis, and then they play Memphis on Friday on the road. So one of those um, unfortunate trips for professional athletes and uh, also for support staff, broadcasters, all that stuff. They have to be on the road for Thanksgiving. But um, interesting tests, I would say. You know, both those games are very winnable. The, the Spurs are not as good as the Grizzlies, for instance, but both those games are nice measuring sticks because the Hawks were so bad on the road early on, but they're also playing great teams for a lot of that run. So they're a perfect 8-1 and one, uh, versus 1-8, and eight, that um, sort of encapsulation of two sides of how good they've been on, at home and how bad they've been on the road, but a nice little test starting on Wednesday in San Antonio. Um, as a sort of a wrap-up to this uh, to this homestand, though, the Hawks go 5-0. and oh, They take care of business in every way. They were favored in all five games. Um, they won all five games, and that's kind of all you can ask for them to do. Um, did we learn that much about the Hawks? I don't think necessarily we did because I was kind of still of the encouraged mind even after that slightly disastrous road trip. But now the real tests kind of come. Um, they're 99th or 18 games, and they're going to be better than that for the full season still. Um, but now the schedule is a little bit more difficult in terms of just not sleeping in your own bed every night, not having to, uh, you know, time in between games, all that stuff. So uh, Wednesday will be interesting, and I'll cover that in full 
for sure. And uh, that would be, I think it's an 8.30 game Eastern time, so a little, bit of a, a little bit of a later one as we head into the holiday. But uh, plenty of coverage wall-to-wall on this particular podcast feed. Please subscribe to the show if you enjoy the Hawks or this podcast, or both, probably both if you're listening to the show. But uh, please leave five-star five, five ratings and reviews and all that fun stuff as well. Follow us on Twitter at LockedOnHawks. Follow me on Twitter at BTRoland. And we'll see you next time.